special welcome to our global advance team who's here today. Amen. Y'all give them a hand clap. Amen. Jonathan, Ken, Ben, and, and Whitney, if you guys want to come on up this morning. I got to get connected with Global Advance um, several years back now. It's been a ministry that we've been partnering with for the last five years, I believe it is. Had opportunity to go on several trips with Global Advance and see the amazing things that they do around the world through all the initiatives they have, their Marketplace Initiative, their Esther Initiative, their Alpha Relief Initiative, their Frontline and Church Plant Conference Initiative, and their Next Gen Initiative. And this is my man right here, Jonathan Shibley. Excited to have him in the house, and he is the president of Global Advance. And I'm, I got, to, got the privilege to meet him and eat lunch with his dad several times, the founder of Global Advance. And so, Jonathan, I'm not going to take up your time. Tell us what God's doing around the world. Y'all give them a big hand clap of praise this morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. You guys have an amazing pastor. Let's give it up for Pastor Joel and Sherry T. Meyer. We love you guys. Appreciate you. Man, we've got some other amazing friends, and I look forward to uh, meeting all of you after the service, but uh, I also just want to give it up. I don't know if John and Lisa Red are here today, but John and Lisa head up our intercessor uh, team for Global Advance, and then also Jeff and Amy T. Meyer, who help intercede for some of our initiatives as well. We're so grateful. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in the book of Philippians, when he wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you because of your partnership in the gospel. And that's how we feel about the Way Bible Church and Global Advance. So we have a partnership in God's glory in the earth and the gospel's advance all over the world. You know, history is headed in only one direction. The Bible says in Revelation 7, 9, that there will be a day when people from every tribe, every language, every tongue surround the throne of God and worship the Lamb. And just like we experience today, the presence of God through worship, history is marching in that direction where one day people from every tribe, language, and tongue will worship the Lord. You know, when you hear the word or you read the word nations uh, throughout Scripture, a lot of times in the Greek that word is ethnos, which means peoples or families or uh, in missions language we call them people groups. And did you know on planet Earth, there are roughly 30,000 people groups around the world, and we are on a count to zero. And what I mean by that is there's coming a day when there'll be zero people groups left that have never heard the gospel. There's only 1,370 people groups that remain that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God's Spirit is moving all around the world. I love the verse in Habakkuk uh, 1.5 when God said, Look at the nations and be utterly amazed. Be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in the earth that you would not believe, even if it were told to you. And we see God's Spirit moving all over the world through the ministry of Global Advance. We're so grateful for your church's part in that. And I just want to challenge us and encourage us as a church this morning. You know, our world is crazy. And you're going to go home tonight, you're going to watch the news, and you're going to see you know, hear all kinds of crazy stuff and terrorism and ISIS and all this junk that's going on. But I want you to remember that God has men and women that he has strategically positioned all over the world in these nations to be catalytic for fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's what we're a part at Global Advance. And did you know, by the way, just a little, little quiz here, what country do you think right now where Christian people are turning to Christ at the fastest rate of any country in the world. 
Would you believe it if I told you it's Iran? Iran has the fastest growth of Christianity right now. We partner with leaders all over the world. We're doing a lot of work in the nation of Pakistan right now. You'll hear some of that here in a moment. Uh, we partner with a pastor that has the largest church in the city of Quetta, right on the border of Afghanistan, right in the middle of ISIS territory. And uh, the pastor told us a story just last year of a guy in his church that owns a bookstore there in that city. And uh, the guy, the bookstore owner, was secretly selling Bibles. They're at the store, and the Taliban found out about it. And they sent in a suicide bomber into that store, into that place of work. And the, the, the jihadists came up to the counter and sought out the owner and opened up his vest, showed him what he had, strapped. He said, I'm going to blow this place up because you, we know you're selling Bibles here. Do you have one final request? And that store owner, quickened by the Holy Spirit, rem remembered that he had a small little plaque over here of 1 Corinthians 13. He said, my final request is, will you read this? And that jihadist reads that little plaque, love is patient, love is kind. And the word of God began to work in his heart. And he closed his vest. He said, I'll be back. And he ran out. <laughs> well, later that week, later that week, that jihadist in his dreams had a vision of Jesus appearing to him and had a life-changing transformation and sought that store owner back out and said, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this love that I read about. How do I know this? So, man, when we look at the world, like Habakkuk said, look at the nations and be amazed at what God is doing. Global Vance, a little bit of history, and you're going to meet our team, uh, some of our team, a lot of our team, actually, that are here today. But my dad founded it in 1990. Uh, his heart was to help equip pastoral leaders, frontline pastors, and church planters, putting vision in their hearts, putting tools in their hands for the advance of the gospel around the world. We've been privileged now to be in over 97 countries. Uh, we've been in front of over 700,000 indigenous leaders, equipping them, challenging them, giving them resources in their language so they can be a catalyst to fulfill the Great Commission. And we are honored to partner with God's men and women on the front lines. God's given us a big vision uh, to equip one million, one million frontline leaders for the advance of the gospel around the world. And your church is a part of that. Your church, we're part of your arms extended to the nations to see that vision fulfilled. And we just want to thank you again for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, after we're about to show a little video, because your pastor and Ken just went to the nation of Bhutan, and after that video, I'm going to introduce our team, and we're all going to share a little bit about some of the initiatives, some of the things that God is doing around the world. But uh, Ken and Joel, Pastor Joel, were just in the nation of Bhutan, the land of the thunder dragon. That's what they call it, right? right. And here's the crazy thing about I've We've heard about Bhutan for many, many years, and I mean, you talk about a closed access nation to the gospel, and God has given us an entry point into that nation with men of God who are serving him. We heard that there's only about 200 pastors in that country, in the whole nation, and uh, most of them are house churches, and so you're going to see a little video clip of what God did in Bhutan, and then we'll get kicked off. God bless you. Hi, my name is Selah, and I'm from 
brought sense of happiness. And I master a church and drink food and recreation church. The dream God has given me is to model leadership in our country. Um, I think that for me what I've done and what I'm doing to model this kind of leadership is firstly to build a network of leaders, not just pastors, but a group of people who are potential, who, who are in the ministry and who are in, in the marketplace, bring them together, share our resources, share our life, and learn to a shared life. And secondly, is to train these leaders to model leadership in our country. I'm here in a beautiful nation of Bhutan, and I just wanted to say to you, thank you. Thank you for your prayers back home. We're here to encourage and build up the pastors here. Bhutan is a close access nation. It's a part of the SARC initiative. The global banks committed to SARC nations and bringing the gospel here. Would you continue to pray for us, and would you continue to stand with us as we preach the gospel and bring the hope of God's glory to the nation of Bhutan? Thank you. Awesome, man. Let's give it up for what God's doing in the nation of Bhutan. So we've got an incredible team. I'm so blessed to serve alongside just an amazing team of, of leaders, really, with Global Vance. I want to introduce on the front row, we've got Margie and her husband, Ken, who work with us at Global Vance, and then Amy Birch is here as well, who works with us. And then uh, you're going to hear from, just in a moment, uh, Whitney Doherty, who heads up our Esther Initiative for Women. She just landed yesterday from North India, and she's a little bit fired up. She's not tired. She's fired up. And she's going she's gonna to share what God's doing with women around the world. Benj Kelly heads up our Alpha Relief Initiative, and that's our ministry to help uh, bring resources and aid to persecuted Christians around the world. And then our director of our Global Ministries is Ken Yonke, who's going to share uh, toward, at the end and then also give us a little word of encouragement this morning. So I'm just so grateful. I'm going to just kick off one of, one of the initiatives that we do that's really unique, actually, with missions is uh, what we call Marketplace Missions. And, uh, man, my dad, when he gave his life to the Great Commission to helping pastoral leaders around the world and see world evangelization take place, but one day about... Uh, 20 years ago, we were talking. He said, son, you know, if I had another life to give to the Great Commission, he said, I'd give it to the rebuilding of economic infrastructure of nations. And, he's, and when he said that, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was tapping me on the shoulder and said, hey, you're, you're that next life. I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing in the marketplace around the world. And when we looked at what most missions organizations, uh, nobody was really tapping into the economic side of things, the, the, the men and women of God that are called into business, called as entrepreneurs, called as professionals. And how many of you are going to go to a, a real job tomorrow that's not in the, the walls of this church? Most, most of us. Well, did you know that Jesus did most of his miracles in the marketplace? Just like Joel was talking about being a Monday through Saturday disciple. God wants to use you wherever he's planted you for his purposes. But we believe one of the sleeping giants in missions are men and women of God that are called to the marketplace. And we want to see God raise up an army of entrepreneurs, of kingdom business leaders, of business builders, of professionals that are going to commit their lives, commit their work to God's purposes on the earth and to be a part of what he's building 
on the earth and marketplace missions we really believe is absolutely strategic one reason is because of access you just heard Bhutan is a closed nation many nations are becoming closed to traditional missions and overtly evangelistic efforts but every nation is open for business can I hear an amen every nation is open for economic development and so it's strategic to raise up godly men and women that are called into the marketplace I think about China and the millions of Christian businessmen and women that God is raising up in that nation it's unbelievable it's also strategic for evangelism because the lost people unfortunately most of the time they're not here in church but they are out there in the marketplace and when you guys go out tomorrow most people get this most church members who are, have a job in the marketplace you will encounter on average 10 times the number of unsaved people as a traditional pastor will now, I don't know about your pastor because he's going to be busting out burpees tomorrow at CrossFit, but is that true? Yeah, and Cindy's and whatever else you guys do. But no, the marketplace is strategic for evangelism. It's strategic for what we call building up the spiritual and moral capital of a nation as corruption and greed and all this terrible stuff that's happening. We need men and women of God to rise up and say, you know what, we're going to lift the standard of righteousness in this nation and then it's absolutely strategic for the funding of the gospel we need kingdom businesses to rise up around the world that men and women of God that say you know what I'll be a catalyst for helping fund God's work in my own nation how many of you believe it's time to see in India I want to see Indian Christian businessmen and women be the ones who fund the water wells in India and in Africa I want to see African businessmen and women be the ones that fund the orphanages so that's our vision Ken's headed to Cameroon tomorrow and then I'll be headed well, to meet him in Rwanda uh, next week to build into uh, Christian entrepreneurs, Christian business leaders that God's raising up in that nation. So I just say what if, what if God raised up millions of kingdom business leaders around the world? What, what would that look like? I believe that people are going to come to Christ like crazy because they're going to see the fragrance of Christ lived out in the marketplace. We're going to see communities and cities and nations transformed for through the power of the gospel on display in everyday work life. And we're going to see the church and, develop, and developing nations get the skills uh, to be competitive in the marketplace and be a blessing in their nation. I think about uh, some of my friends I've met. I just want to share a couple quick stories. Rose from Kazakhstan a few years back. Man, we did this conference for business leaders, and she was so fired up. And she came up to me, and she was showing me this, that little red box in the picture. Well, that's, that's a uh, bug repellent that she invented, okay? The special bug repellent there in Kazakhstan, and, and she was very, very blessed, had an amazing business, and hires all these people, and she said, I use the profits from this business to fund missions work in Afghanistan. And she was just so fired up, and I'm like, man, what would that look like to see millions of ladies like Rose uh, raised up in the nations? Joel and I, we're going to be going to Vietnam here in a couple months, and I think about a lady I met last year named Ann in Vietnam. And Ann, uh, the, the church that we partner with, they led her to Christ, and she owns this huge uh, audiovisual equipment business. She has 100 employees, and God miraculously healed her of a disease. And she used to be an avid funder of Buddhist temples all over Vietnam. And God radically uh, 
converted her life to Christ, and, and now she gives generously to the cause of Christ. But the first thing she did when she came to Christ, she got rid of all the idols and shrines at her place of work. And she said, this is where I first learned about spiritual warfare because after I did that, she said, sales completely dried up for one month. It never happened before. And so she had her friends from the church come to her place of work. They prayed over that business. They prayed over her, and God did a miracle turnaround in that business. And today she has, she's number one in her industry in the nation of Vietnam. So God's raising up amazing leaders that have a vision to transform their, their, their nations and communities for the cause of Christ in the marketplace. And so, man, pray for us. Uh, man, see uh, Amy T. Myers helping head up our marketplace prayer initiatives and our intercessors for that. But we're so excited about what God's doing. Now, I'm excited to introduce to you Whitney Doherty, who heads up our Esther initiative, fresh off the plane, without the pain, Come on, let's give, her, let's give her some love. Let's welcome Whitney Dockery. Oh, man. Hey, I have never showed up at an 8.30 worship service and had this alive of a crowd. You guys need to give yourself a hand for showing up and worshiping with all of your heart this morning. And I love it how we can just walk in and feel immediately like family. I really feel like that's the case here. And um, just so grateful to be with you this morning. I did land at four something yesterday, and um, I'm not asleep because God is doing amazing things in the nation. So it's hard for me to sleep these days because uh, the Lord has waking me up and just um, prompted my heart with strategy and a love for these women all around the world. But I think the best way to describe what is going on with the Esther Initiative is to talk about what God did in India this last week. When we first began the Esther Initiative, 2014, we really decided to get strategic. So I came on and we began with a global needs assessment for women. And we had suspected what those needs were around the world. And God confirmed that. Um, we, we interviewed 103 leaders in 48 nations. And they said um, exactly actually what we need going on here, that there are women who feel like they are uh, broken and devalued, especially in cultures around the world. Uh, women who are not held in high regard. Uh, women who do not have privileges like men do in some um, nations. We saw that they were often uneducated, um, often looked over as far as um, positions for ministry. We saw that they needed a relationship and they needed Bible study resources. 90% of women leaders told us would join in on a Bible study even if they weren't believers because that meant that they belonged somewhere, that they were welcomed, that they had a voice that could be heard, and that they would be educated in some way. And so we took that information and we got so excited to begin forming teams here in the states that would minister to the needs of women around the world. We put together an Esther manual. It's called our... Um, Global Advance Leadership Manual for Women. And through that, we have begun to lead conferences and um, start discipleship and mentoring tracks because our goal was this. Not only do we want to bring a large conference group together, what, what we want is that woman in the 10th row who showed up, who may not feel loved, who may not um, know what it means to have freedom and to be able to lead in her area, in her family, in her community, in um, her nation to have that follow-up and to have that training. 
So in India, let me set the stage for you a little bit. This is what it looks like. We met in Punjab state. In that particular state, only 0.5% um, of the population are Christ followers. And so as you can imagine, um, these women are alone in their communities. So we take 150 leaders. We began with 150, we ended with 170 because as, as women heard, as they were touched with the word of God and the possibilities of their position in their nation, then they brought other women along with them. And so um, strategically, 35 apostolic leaders from these different districts brought women. That's key for follow-up later. And so through this core group, they had representatives from each of their districts and on day one, we taught them their identity in Christ because if you don't know who you are in Christ, then you cannot be released and be free to lead other women. And so we walked them through Ephesians 1 where it talks about how they are chosen and how they are adopted and loved and forgiven and redeemed and called for a great purpose. And that is really what the Esther Initiative is about. It is like Queen Esther, um, helping these women realize that they are placed strategically in a specific time in the world, um, specific location, in specific spheres of influence for the furtherment of the gospel. And so day one is this. Day two, we talk about the practical steps of um, discipleship, about their relationship with God, about walking in the spirit. We saw these women in India, some of who've never been shown what it looks like to study the Bible. We saw them strategically um, knowing what it looks like to study, how to apply that to their lives, how to um, observe different things through scripture so that they can be transformed and that overflow can go out into their communities and they can be that change. On day three, we talked about um, what that purpose looks like in their nation. And so we met as key leaders. We brought that core group back together again, those 35 districts, and we said, okay, we want this conference to last more than three days. We want you to go back and to gather your women. We want them to be encouraged. We want them to go through this material again so that they can have such a depth of understanding of what God has called them to in this nation so that the next time that we come back to India, that 0.5% is gonna grow because of the difference that these women are making in their individual districts. And so here's what's amazing. When we showed up, we didn't really know um, how these women would respond. This is the first Esther conference ever in the most unreached area of the world in Northern India. And um, I believe that the pastors actually were surprised as well at what these women were capable of, at how they responded. Uh, one pastor came up to me specifically and said, um, not only have you provided vision and resources, but they felt loved. They, and when you, when you share that love of Christ with uh, women who have not felt that um, in such a depressed nation of the world, then they feel like they can do anything. And so even the accommodations down to the meals, um, food that they have never eaten before, they felt so special. The hugs that were given, um, the times that we just prayed over them individually. These are pastors, wives, and ministry leaders who have been poured into for the first time, and now they can't keep it to themselves. And so if you would just pray for the nation of India, specifically for Punjab state, that uh, these women would go back to their homes 
and to their communities, and that the fire that God has lit in their hearts would continue to overflow and grow, and that more women will be trained, um, because it doesn't stop there. That multiplication continues um, until it is our prayer that the whole nation of India is reached. In the name of Christ. Thanks, thanks, Whitney. We're fired up about what God's doing through women of the church worldwide. And, and so tied into that is the Alpha Relief Initiative, which I have the privilege of leading at, at Global Advance. My wife and I moved down here to Texas from Denver, Colorado about a month ago. And that's kind of the look I get, like, why don't you do that? <laughs> but as, uh, yeah, as I was driving out here this morning, you know, I, I come from the city, so I start to wonder if I drive by more than three cows if I'm in the middle of nowhere, you, you check your GPS. So thank you, Joel, Pastor Joel, for confirming that for me. <laughs> um, but how many of you know it's, it's from the middle of nowhere that God starts to rise up a movement, starts to do something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Israel was in the middle of nowhere, right, yeah. before, before he planted there. So thank you for having us here. Thank you for listening and engaging with us with what God is doing around the world for the gospel. Through Alpha Relief, Global Advance is providing emergency aid, scripture for those who don't have Bibles, and discipleship to empower the local church, believers on the front line of the gospel who are being persecuted worldwide. So we have a, a special care for the persecuted church. In so many of these areas that we work, it's the front lines of the gospel. There is opposition like you wouldn't believe. But God is, is raising up, and, and if you could sit in my shoes and talk to the people that I talk to every day, you know, texting on my phone in countries around the world, you would know, like I can see, that Islam does not stand a chance in the face of the gospel. Amen. The power is real, but it doesn't stand a chance. Kim Jong-un, North Korea, he doesn't stand a chance against the advance of the gospel in North yeah. Korea, right? Assad in Syria, he doesn't stand a chance against preventing the gospel from just pervading that society. So these are the people that we're working with on the front lines, but they need our prayers, they need our support, they need our help. And as I was praying about what to share with you this morning and, and how to help communicate that, one thing struck me that, that God reminded me of, and that, that is that these people, they will keep pressing forward and preaching the gospel in their communities, whether we help them or not. Okay, they are there doing this, and they are there, this is their daily life, whether we join with them or not. So we have the opportunity to step in and exponentially expand the work that they're doing there on the front lines. This morning, today, in Lebanon, our partner church there is welcoming 200 refugee families into their sanctuary, giving them um, aid boxes, emergency aid packs with uh, food for a month, basic first aid, blankets, jackets, whatever they need, along with the Bible, and the message of the gospel. They're doing that whether we help them, but we're able to push it up from just a couple families to over 200 families that they're, they're welcoming in there. So that's the kind of work that we're doing because this pastor in Lebanon, he told me, he said, these refugees that are coming out of Syria, they're not staying in Lebanon. It's an entry point. And then they go to Europe, they go to Australia, Canada, maybe a couple here, but what are they gonna bring with them when they go? If they can get the gospel there at, at entry point, they will bring the gospel and bring it all over the world. So he said, this is our prime opportunity. In Jordan, just south of Syria, our partners working in the border region there, um, local pastors are looking around, there's these Syrians flooding in, but they're seeing all these Islamic unreached villages all around the border region. 
They said, how are we going to reach these villages? How are we going to reach these unreached people? And they started asking for volunteers from the local house churches there. Like, who's going to who go over to this village? They've never heard the gospel. There's no churches there, no house churches, nothing. And they got five families that volunteered to go and do this. Guys, four of those families are Syrian refugee widows and their children. They said, I don't have anything left. Jesus is all I have, and the hope that he's given me is all I have to give. So I'll go do that. So they were refugees. Now they're missionaries on the front lines of the gospel. We can join with them and make sure they can keep going, they can keep doing it, that they have everything they need to be successful in that situation. So thank you so much. This is, these are the stories from all over, North Korea, Syria, everywhere that we're working, Southeast Asia. It's again and again and again. So I don't want to take too much of Brother Ken's time, but God bless you and thank you so much. Again, thank you so much for having us here with you. We're so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for my friendship with Pastor Joel. Um, the opportunity that I've had to serve with him on the front lines, encouraging leaders. Um, we at Global Advance, the only way that we're able to do what we do is through partnership with what we call global ambassadors. And those global ambassadors are the ones who really help us stand in the gap for those on the front line. People become global ambassadors in three specific ways. One, they go with us, like Pastor Joel has gone, or, uh, or Jeff has gone with us. Maybe there's some here today that will go with us and help us train and equip leaders. Another way they go with us is they pray, they intercede, they stand in the gap for the nations by praying. Another way they partner with us by giving financially. And I wanna thank you because in this church, you represent a community of faith that has not only gone with us, you have prayed with us and stood in the gap, and you've given faithfully to Global Advance. And without you and your help, we could not do what God has enabled us to do over these years. Now, almost 27 years, Global Advance has been at work in the nations. Um, about two years ago, we started what we call our Next Generation uh, uh, Training Initiative. Um, it was started because when we were talking to frontline pastors, they were saying, Listen, we need help. We need help reaching, mobilizing, and equipping the next generation. We all understand the fact that we're only one generation away. And unless we are effectively equipping and training and developing the next generation, there won't be anyone there to pick up when we leave off and carry forth. And so we did a global needs assessment as well. We interviewed and surveyed millennials all around the world. And we heard specific things. And one of those things was they said, we need help being mentored. They said also that we need help bridging the gap between leadership that exists now and, leader, and, and me becoming the leader that God is called to, to be. We believe, and what we've discovered through this, is that there is actually a millennial entrepreneurial spirit that God has breathed on this millennial generation. These are starters. These are pioneers. There seems to be a sense that God has breathed on this next generation, a kind of a can-do attitude of, you know, we can do this, and I'm ready to do something different, something unique. And that's, that's what I mean when I say entrepreneurial. And so we're equipping entrepreneurs. In fact, we just uh, finished the development of our next-gen rising tool. One of the things that we do at Global Advance is when we go to the nations, we try to put vision in the leaders' hearts. 
and tools in their hands, tools that will equip them, tools they can use to train, disciple, and develop other leaders. And so later after our service today, back in the back corner, you'll have a table and we'll be back there. We'd love to meet many of you at that table. You'll be able to see some of the tools that we've developed over the years from Esther Initiative, as well as our frontline pastors, as well as our next gen new new book, our Next Gen Rising tool that I'll be using uh, this coming week in Cameroon. Well, we'll be training up millennials in Cameroon and training pastors on how to bridge the gap between the next generation that will be taking their place in that nation. I also have the, the opportunity to work with frontline pastors all around the world. I tell you, it's, uh, it's, a, it's amazing to engage these, what I call hidden heroes. These are people that are fighting for the gospel, preaching the gospel. In their hearts, they are up against all kinds of difficult situations. In India, just recently, where I was almost three weeks ago, I was coming from India where I met Pastor Joel in, in Delhi, and then we flew on to the closed nation of Bhutan. But before meeting up with, with Joel, I was with about 300 pastors there. These are men who literally came and they, they sat, you know, with their legs crossed on the floor. There's a picture of them right there. And uh, they literally sat there from 7.30 in the morning until 9 o'clock when we finished teaching. And then when they were finished, they would just roll over and lay there and go to sleep. And then they pop up the next morning ready to go again. Many of these men... Uh, about the second day of our training event, they began to get sick. They were having very difficulties. And uh, the reason was is because most of these pastors don't eat three meals a day. Sometimes they don't even get one meal. And because we were feeding them, which is what we do at these events, when they come, like I said, we're there to encourage them. We're there to equip them. We're, we're there to give them tools. We're there feeding them. We're ministering to them constantly in body, mind, and spirit. And because they hadn't eaten that much food, they were getting sick. It shouldn't be this way. It should not be that men of God on the front lines advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, commissioned to carry forth God's word to places where no one has ever heard, that they should go hungry, that they should live under tarps, stretched between stretched between two trees because they don't have a home. In India, because of a caste system, they're on the bottom. But every day, they get up with joy in their heart, fire in their belly, and the Great Commission on their life to preach the gospel, to advance the church. I met a man at this conference in India that for 18 years he's been planting churches and raising up men who will carry on the church. I asked him, in the 18 years, how many churches have you planted? And he looked at me and he said, I currently oversee, you ready? Over 18,000 churches. Out of these 300 men, I realized that standing in this, or sitting in this room, there were over 100 of them that oversaw multiple church plants. 
And so I asked them, I said, if I provided you training tools and now having received this training on how to plant churches, how many churches, how many leaders could you train in the next nine months to plant churches in India? And they went away and they got their pen and their paper and they went to work and they came to me and they brought me over 100 pieces of paper. We sat down and we totaled up all the individuals that they said, in the next nine months, we will train to plant a church. There were over 13,000 people in north, across the north belt of India. Their leader who I met, I asked him, what's your dream? And he didn't even blink. He said, the dream that God has put in my heart is that in my lifetime, I will see 250,000 churches planted across North India. God is moving. He's moving all around. And it's significant that we're here with you today. I want to thank you, our team, and I just want to share with you for just a few moments. You know, I have the greatest job in the world. I really believe that. I get to go and encourage men and women, leaders, all around the world to not neglect the call on their life. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask, how many of you, by the raising of your hand, would call yourself a leader? How many leaders do we have in this room right now? Hold up your hands. Nearly everyone, but there are a few of you that are here today that did not raise your hand because you don't consider yourself a leader. I want to give you a new definition of leadership. Leadership is influence, and every one of us have influence. The question is, how will we use our influence for the kingdom of God? And I'm here today because I want to encourage this church. Because this church has been encouraging me. This church has stood behind me through prayer. In Bhutan, it was, took almost two years to get there because it's a closed access, access nation. And when, the minute we got there, and after I preached that first night, after we got off the plane, I became incredibly sick. I've been in over 80 nations, and I've traveled around the world. I've never been sick on the mission field. But the spiritual warfare was so strong that I began throwing up. And all of us on the team felt a little queasy. It was, it was tough battling. We were ha- going to have to travel to, down to the border region of Bhutan, which was going to take about seven hours, but we would have to pass over the mountain pass. And a blizzard hit that night, which sealed off the pass, and we had to stay an extra day. It seemed as though the enemy was standing against the efforts that we were trying to make to bring teaching and training and equipping to these frontline leaders in the nation of Bhutan. There is a warfare that stands against the gospel. And the first battle in war is the battle of the mind. And we as the people of God need to understand that we're all leaders and we're people of influence and God can use every single one of us to advance the gospel. You've heard us here today stand here and tell you what God is doing. But we want to invite you. We want you to become a part of the advancing of the gospel and the Great Commission around the world. I want you to see yourself as a significant part of what God is doing. When Jesus began his public ministry, he went around saying, come, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. One of the greatest blessings is found and promise is found 
in that passage of Scripture that Jesus said to all those who choose to be disciples of His. He said, I'll make you. I've seen a lot of self-made people in my lifetime, but I want to be made by Jesus. When we today decide to submit our lives into the Lordship and the hand of Jesus, His promise to us, if you'll come and you'll follow Him, that He will make you. He will craft you and create you to be the leader that God pictured you to be when He formed you and made you. And every one of us have an assignment on our life. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, three years later, He knelt and He he washed the feet of His disciples. He did that because the intention for leadership is servanthood, and we're all called to serve. But then they reclined together, the Bible says, at the table to break bread together and fellowship with one another. And as they did, we know that, that John, the disciple who loved Jesus, sat next to Jesus, reclining next to him. And as Jesus was there, John next to him, I've often pictured this picture of them reclining at the table. And John with his head resting on the chest of Jesus. I've often thought, I wonder if John could hear his heartbeat. Have you ever thought about the heartbeat and the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ? I often think, what did it sound like? What would it sound like to hear the heartbeat of Jesus? This is what I believe it would sound like. People. 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 The heartbeat of Jesus is people. And you and I have never locked eyes with a person that Jesus is not madly and desperately in love with. There are a lot of reasons why at Global Advance we go to the nations. I want to share with you five of them. Then I'm going to invite Pastor Joel to come up. The first reason that we go is because Jesus is worthy. Amen? He's worthy of everything we have. He's worthy of all of our, of our purpose and passion. And the Bible says when they went out, they went out in His name's sake. We don't go in our name. We don't go in the name of Global Advance when we go. We go in the name of Jesus. Because it is Jesus who equips us. It is Jesus who empowers us. And it is Jesus who gets us there and home again. I've gone to many places where the doors are closed, where people have said, you can't go here. A few years ago, I went to the nation of Djibouti. Many of us have never even heard of Djibouti, but I shook Djibouti for Jesus. Before I ever went there, I read in a book there was only, that they had only known of six known believers in the entire nation. I think I found three of them. I got to a place where I heard that they were staying and I got to their uh, entrance and there was a gate and it was padlocked shut. And I went up to the, the gate and somebody from the house came running to the gate. And I said, are you a believer? He said, yes. And he said, are you? And I said, yes. He said, you must leave. You must run. You must go. They're going to kill you. That's not encouraging. No. <laughs> That's not encouraging. They said, they're going to kill you. They killed people just a week ago, Christians that were here. And, and, and I've got to go back in the house. We're hiding right now. How many of you know 
It's not God's intention for us to hide. God promised he'll get us there. Now, I've come to learn he doesn't always promise he'll get me home, but that's okay. He'll get me where he needs me to be, and he's always on time. But he says he's worthy. He's worthy of us. This is not my life. My life does not belong to me. My life belongs to Jesus and him alone, and he is worthy. The one who gave everything for me. And he loves you desperately. The reason that we go is because the Father is longing. God longs to bring rebellious, lost humanity in the loving embrace of his Son. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're a guest here today and you've never, you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I want you to know that he loves you, he's for you. God loves you and sent his only son to die on the cross. To bridge the gap, to die for your sins and my sins. Sin is that thing, that rebellious part of your life that pushes you far away from God and God's purpose and his design for your life. Because when God looks at you, he sees a son and he sees a daughter. And he wants to welcome you home. And I want you to know that today, the Father is longing for you to come home. The reason that we go is because the church is commissioned to go. This church is commissioned to go to the nations. Christ has commissioned us to preach the gospel to every person and make disciples of every people. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And around the world, more people are committing their lives to Jesus Christ than ever in the history of the world. I want you to be encouraged. The gospel is expanding. Lives are being transformed. Nations are being remade as people are coming to Christ. The Bible says in John 4, 35, Lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Fifth reason I want to share with you why we go. Because we have a destiny. Amen. You have a destiny. I have a destiny. It is our destiny to go to the nations. When people give their life to Christ and come into their rightful place as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, the first thing I say besides read the word of God and begin to grow your faith in him is I say, go get a passport. Go get a passport so that when God calls you to the nations, you're already ready to go. And so if you don't have a passport, I want to encourage you, get a passport because we'll take you with us to train leaders and equip people and preach the gospel in the nations. But we have a destiny and God wants us to use it as a catalyst for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And for every one of us who have come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we understand exactly what that means. We understand what it means to walk in the light, to be light, to be salt, to intrinsically be made as people of God who are light and salt in the earth. 
God has promised that one day, one day, the great commission will become the great fulfillment. He, Habakkuk 2, verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now come on now. The waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord, it is destined to be all across the earth. And the way God chooses to do that is when men and women of God, sons and daughters, say yes to God and their destiny. For some of us, we go. For some of us, we pray. And for some of us, in fact, not all of us, we give so the gospel can go forward. We believe at Global Advance that investing in frontline indigenous leaders has the greatest return on investment because these leaders are positioned already in the nation. They understand the language. They understand the culture. They know what is before them, and they are ready to go. But they need resources. They need finance. They need help. They need encouragement. They need your prayers. And I'm just standing before you unashamed to say, church, Global Advance needs your help. We need you. We need you to send us. We need you to go with us. I invite you to pray for us. I invite you to give. So the Great Commission will one day become the Great Fulfillment. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church for their leadership, for Pastor Joel. And Father, I thank you how you are growing this church. And these are kingdom people, God. These are your sons and your daughters who know you and who love you. And I want to pray today that you would continue to bless this church, prosper them, give them the ability to be used as leaders of people of influence around the world. I want to thank you, Lord God, for the call of leadership on every single person here in this room today. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would show them how they can be a part in bringing the gospel and helping to fulfill the Great Commission all around the world.